Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate you leading us tonight. Well, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Philippians tonight, chapter 4. We want to look at two verses, 8 and 9. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Maybe I could have one of you lead out in prayer, and as we do so, uh, let's pray for Robert Alex. He is getting quite close to death at this point. He's over to see him this afternoon, and unresponsive, you know, he's rolled his eyes up into his head a time or two, but really pretty much unresponsive. So hasn't eaten anything in about a week. So, you know, the, the end is inevitab- inevitable here. But uh, pray for him. And uh, we know where he's going. Clear testimony for Jesus Christ. Uh, but pray for him in, in Maryland. And also we might remember the Nips, the other Nips, uh, well, I guess we got several options here, but uh, Mickey and Marianne on their way to Ohio. I think they're maybe getting halfway close at this point, but they've been traveling. So, somebody want to pray, and then just remember our uh, our meetings here tonight as well. Yeah, Kurt. Amen. Thank you. All right. Well, very good. Uh, We are kind of continuing on where we uh, left off last week in Philippians chapter 4, the essence of uh, spiritual stability, part 2 is what I'm calling this. And uh, just a few things to note before we actually get into our text here tonight. We are in Philippians, which has the theme, the rejoice in the Lord. We've worked our way down to to chapter 4 here. And as we did so, uh, we noted at the end of chapter 3, there's a real emphasis on having an eternal perspective. It says there in 3, verse 20, Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to His glorious body. So, tremendous emphasis in terms of where it's ultimately going for the believer. And with that eternal perspective in, in view... He then says at the beginning of chapter 4, Therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. The rest of the chapter is really kind of developing this, what it means to stand fast in the Lord in light of an eternal perspective. And uh, so we note uh, in verses 2 through 7, Christ-like unity emphasized, rejoicing as a way of life, gentleness, uh, graciousness as a way of life, and then living by prayer, not by worry. That's where we left off last time. Now, as we continue on tonight, uh, we note there's two more uh, important uh, prerequisites to really standing firm, to standing fast in the Lord that he's going to touch on here, and that is thinking properly, and practicing what Paul taught. Uh, So that's what we're going to see emphasized here tonight. kind of goes together. The battle is for the mind. Remember, he left off in in, uh, verse 7 there with, uh, as you uh, pray to God, bringing everything to God in prayer, uh, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds uh, through Christ Jesus. So he's emphasizing uh, the mind here. And the battle is really for the mind. And I think there's two uh, areas where he's uh, emphasizing here in relationship to the mind. He's emphasizing prayer, where we're tempted to be anxious and worry, pray. And then he's also emphasizing a disciplined thought life, which is what we're going to look at tonight. And they kind of go together. Your prayer life, your thought life, 
Um, there's overlap here, but uh, it relates to the mind. The battle is really for the mind as far as what's happening in life. Dwight Pentecost says this, On the authority of the word of God, I submit to you that the greatest conflict being waged is not international, not political, not economic, and not social. The greatest conflict taking place in the world today is the battle for control of our minds. That's where the battle is being fought. I think he's absolutely right there. So we saw the issue of worry related to our minds. Uh, We saw this last time. And that can rob us of our peace, uh, the peace that God intends for us. And tonight we're going to see uh, the importance of thinking properly uh, to where that uh, lines up with the peace of God as well. Okay, let's uh, get started. Uh, One verse, somebody want to read verse 8 for us? Yeah, Albert. Okay, so think about these things. Now, I want you to think about these things. I want you to practice what I'm preaching here tonight, okay? There's going to be opportunities for you to kind of chime in. What do we think about these things? He says think about these things, so let's do it together, okay? Let's think about these things. Yeah, so we'll get there. You'll have opportunity to to chime in here. But notice he says, finally, brethren. This is not the first time he said, finally, He said it in the the middle of the letter, chapter 3. They say, you know, the only thing you really know when the preacher says finally is that he has had some thought about concluding at some point, right? (laughs) Well, that's what he did. Chapter 3, verse 1, he said finally. Now he's getting to his final finally. So, yeah, uh, there's different layers of finally, right? But anyway, this is his final finally. And uh, he says, finally, brethren... Uh, again, emphasis on family. Uh, there's a gracious tone here. He's sh- sharing the truth in love, encouraging them. And uh, so now he's going to say, in finally, brethren, he's going to give eight guidelines to govern the believer's thought life. And uh, these are great, great things. It's a great memory verse. You know, we memorize it. We put it on top of the TV, whatever. But it only works if we practice it, Right. And uh, it is true that things kind of push into your mind to, to be, you know, to, you wrestle with things, your thought life. What am I, I going to do with this? Uh, certain things you just got to let go. Uh, cast all your cares upon God. Give it over to God. Whatever it is, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that has to do that on a regular basis. Got to give it over to God. And uh, think on uh, these kinds of things. Well, well what kind of things? <clears throat> Whatever things are true. Uh, whatever things are true. Um, true is in contrast to falsehood, right? Uh, true is in contrast to all kinds of stuff out here that's swirling, that's, that's being spun in all kinds of different directions. Uh, so it relates to that which is, is true. And uh, if something's true, uh, think on these things. Now, uh, what kind of things might we uh, think of in relationship to what is true? That's a softball one. There's, there's an easy answer here. Vince? Well, the only thing to me that is more thinking that is true is history. Well, there you go. Well, there might be some value in it, though, right? But not on the level of the Scripture. That's for sure. But it's certainly a whole lot better to think about things that are true versus things that are false, right? But you're right. Uh, God's Word is truth. And so that would be the major thing to focus on, for sure, to, th- to think on the things of, of Scripture. Yeah. Yeah, but thinking on the things of Scripture is going to help you discern truth and falsehood in the world, in the general world. Right. It's going to help you, is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm all about it. Yeah, yeah. Day and night, meditate on these things. What's going on today? Yeah. so easy to go with the crowd. Well, yeah, how do you know what's true? You know, how do you even know what's true, to, what, what to think on as far as true if you don't know the scriptures, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah, right. Oh, amen. Yeah, Vince? Right. Yeah, right. Well, absolutely. I mean, who knows what? 
Yeah, but that's true. You got all kinds of ideas out here, right? Uh, to, to think on these things. And people want you to think in their groove, right? They got this great cause and they want you to all get into that groove, whatever it might be. And uh, is, it, is it actually true? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, we know ultimately truth is the Word of God. And we want to focus on those promises, uh, what we have in the scriptures. Uh, that, that is our ultimate focus. So whatever things are true, certainly Scripture would be major there. wouldn't say it'd be only that. Maybe some other positive things uh, as far as truthful things uh, to think about too. Uh, uh, you know, I can think about my wife's faithfulness. Uh, that is certainly true. That's a good thing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We're just throwing things out here. <laughs> well, I do. But I could think about it in a positive way, like pray, praise the Lord for this. This is a good thing to think about. You know, I'm just throwing something out there. <laughs> okay. Uh, so whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, uh, these are things that are honorable, honorable, uh, dignified, uh, things that are respectable. Whatever things are noble. Uh, can you think of examples of this? Whatever things are noble. What, what might be noble things to think about? Yep, that's true. That's honorable. That's for sure. That's a good thing. Loving one another? Absolutely. That's, that's, that's very honorable. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. It's kind of a good exercise, isn't it? It's kind of like we read through these verses, and it's kind of like, well, what am I thinking about in terms of thinking about what's, you know, honorable? Uh, where does my mind go for that? Uh, that's one reason I'm kind of throwing it out here. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's good. Amen. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, well, amen to that. That's good. Oh, those are good thoughts. Very good. Okay, so whatever things are true, whatever things are, are noble, and then whatever things are just. Uh, whatever things are just. Just is righteous. What is right, what is fair, uh, what is just. Uh, what conforms to God's righteous standards. Uh, John Phillips has uh, something to say here on this. He says... Even in a world of sin, many things are right and proper. Paul managed to think positively when he was a, the victim of gross injustice. When he was arrested in Philippi, he responded by singing in prison. No man had been the victim of more injustice than Paul. But if he had brooded over the wrongs done to him, he would have become bitter and useless in the service of the Lord. We have all met people who have not responded to ill treatment the way Paul did. They have a chip on their shoulder. Uh, that's interesting. You know, I think that's true. We all know of situations where people just get bitter. Uh, where's their focus at? They, they obsess over, you know, things that have been done to, to mistreat them or whatever. And it leads them down a path that's not healthy. Uh, whatever things are, are just, uh, we, we want to focus on that, not necessarily the negative things there. Yeah. Yeah, amen. I think we can all relate to that, brother. I mean, it's, it's part of being human. Uh, we still all have the, the old fallen nature yet. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think of things like, uh, you know, if you're really, and we all are mistreated from time to time. People do things uh, to us. And, uh, you know, I come back to the scripture which says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. At the, at the end of the day, God is going to settle things. And I, I can leave it with him. I, I can just rest, rest in God. Uh, there is something that's fair. You know, I can, will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? He, he will. 
I can focus on that. Th- those kind of thoughts. Okay, anyone else? Yeah. Absolutely, and he did like in in Second uh, Thessalonians when when Christ comes in in power and glory, he is going to deal with those who have mistreated his people and so forth. And he did bring out that aspect too. I mean, God is going to settle settle things when it's all said and done. Uh, so, it's, yeah, and, and it's not up for us to take it into our hands, you know. So, yeah. You know, I think I think there's there, there's kind of where worldly thinking takes you in a sense. It's kind of like what what is uh, our way of thinking here in terms of how do, how do we think on what is what is fair, uh, what is righteous? Uh, you know, uh, we do know God's going to settle the score ultimately, right? I mean, there is a judgment day coming, but we're really praying that they come to know grace, right? The people get saved, and, and our answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, so when we think about uh, whatever things are just, um, at the end of the day, you have righteousness in Christ, you know, ultimately. Um, what is our great cause? Like I say, there's all these great causes out here. Kurt was kind of de- dealing with this just a little bit, right? Yeah, 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 I thought so. I thought so. Uh, yeah. You know, of course, we, we want uh, what is right. You know, we don't want people to be mistreated. Uh, so we do think in that vein. Uh, but what is the ultimate answer here? You look at all these problems in the world. Yeah. Well, that's right. Amen. That's our mission. Well, Absolutely. Well, God did it. He used 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what did they use? They used the gospel, just like you're saying. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, our calling is the gospel. And I think the, the outflow of that is it does make a, a difference in the whole of society uh, where the gospel goes forth. You know, it's a byproduct, it's, it's not, but it's not the major, uh, it's not the mission, you know, in the sense of like the world. Uh, the social, the social emphasis is not. Yeah, that's not that's not our mission. But the gospel makes that happen. It's it's a byproduct. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you kind of say, okay, if I, because I think where I see people going sometimes with these causes is you get so wrapped up that it does tend to get them straight towards their attitude, judgmental. Yep. And they lose the focus on thankfulness to God. Yeah.
Yeah, right. Amen. And I think, you know, he is addressing these people personally, you know, and, and the Christians were being persecuted. I mean, Paul himself is in prison here at this point. It'd be real easy to focus on things that are not fair, right? Instead of thinking, well, you know, there is still some law and order here. Uh, you know, it's, it's, there are positive things to think about here too and not just the negative, in other words. I think there's that emphasis. Okay, well, that's good input. Uh, whatever things are pure, uh, the idea of pure is that which is clean, that which is undefiled, uh, that which is morally uncompromised. Now, uh, can you think of some application here? Think on things, uh, whatever is pure. And you might think about certain things that would cause your mind to go places where it's not pure. But uh, uh, think on things that are pure. Uh, what, what kind of things are we th- talking about here, do you suppose? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's true. And, and, and even in watching uh, television shows, uh, I mean, where do you go to movies where you're not getting a heavy dose of, of the world, impure thinking, innuendos? Uh, you just can't watch, a, a, you know, one of these late night shows. I don't even know who these guys are. Is there a Jimmy Kimmel? I don't know who these guys even are. But, uh, I mean, it's not very long that, and you're going somewhere that's going to defile your mind, Right. So, I mean, you've got to be pretty disciplined to say, well, hey, I'm, I'm not going there. You know, uh, I'm going to keep my mind on, on things above, not on things on the earth here. So, yeah, all kinds of things. Uh, you know, our cell phones give us instant access to uh, pornography, uh, to uh, who knows what's going on out here. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a challenge uh, to think on whatever is pure. Uh, you know, have people tell dirty jokes I was thinking about this the other day. I remember when my cousin told me a dirty joke when I was just a little kid. And I thought, man, I still remember that stupid joke. Isn't that amazing? I don't want to think about it, but, you know, I just, I just thought that's been, you know, 50 years ago. And how it, you know, sticks in your mind. Uh, think on things that are pure. It's kind of like uh, your mind is a sponge, and if you stick a sponge in some uh, dirty water, and uh, what's going to happen? The sponge fills up with the dirty water. You squeeze it, and out comes dirty water. We want to fill our minds with, with good things, uh, pure things, whatever things are, are pure. Saturate our minds with that. And, uh, of course, examples. Uh, how can we think on, uh, what would we think on the things that are pure? What would be an example of this? Our go-to answer is, of course, Scripture, right? Scripture is pure. Uh, but we can think about good things that are, that are pure. Uh, maybe we're thinking about a godly life, a godly example, uh, something like that. Uh, whatever things are lovely. Uh, this word is found only here in the New Testament. Uh, it refers to that which is ethically beautiful and attractive, and so it's, it's wholesomely pleasant. Uh, whatever things are lovely, wholesomely pleasant, uh, ethically speaking. Can you think of an example of something like this? Whatever things are lovely. Could be. That's good. I think that would fit. I think that would fit. That's uh, wholesomely pleasant and attractive. Yeah? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good model. Yeah. Okay. And then he says, uh, whatever things are of good report, uh, this is something that is commendable. Uh, something that is admirable. Uh, it deserves, uh, deservedly enjoys a good reputation. And uh, let's see, I think I've got an overhead here. It is healthy to dwell on the positive, uh, to accentuate the positive, minimize the negative. It's not that we never think about anything negative. Sometimes we have to deal with it, as the balance of Scripture would show, but we are not to dwell on it. We are not to live there. 
uh, deal with it and move on as a, as a way of life, accentuate the positive uh, in your thought life. I think that's what, that's what we have here as far as uh, whatever things are of good report. You know, what do we want to focus on as far as, uh, you know, you get up just thinking all kinds of negative things? Yes, Vince? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, you really. Yeah, you, you spend too much time there. It's not wholesome. Yeah, no good report. It's all bad news, isn't it? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Any other examples you can think of? That's a good one. Right there. Right. Amen. Yeah, if all you focus on is the negatives of life, pretty soon it's not going to be healthy for you. If all you think is the bad reports, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those, those are good things. Yeah, amen. Uh, good times with family and friends. Oh. So I said, uh, any good news? And it's all, it's all about false. So I said, well, you know, if you want to read good news, the only place, the best place to go is the Bible. So I, I went on Facebook for the Bible. Why that? So then I asked him, so are you a Bible reader? And he goes, no. <laughs> any particular reason? So uh, and he just gave me the honey. But, uh, oh, yeah, he didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. He didn't want any good news there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, amen. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, I try to I keep a little bit abreast as far as what's going on out here in the world, even prayerfully, just and just kind of being aware what's going on. But uh, I often tell my, my wife, if we're watching, say, a news program, uh, okay, enough of the bad news. I need to go back and study the good news. You know, it's so true. Yeah. Okay. Um and then he says, if there is any virtue, uh, the first class condition is here, which assumes it is true, that there is virtue, uh, which is the idea of that which is excellent, uh, that which is best, uh, that which is uh, good. And so uh, if there's any virtue, if there's anything of excellence, uh, can you think of an example here? Things that are of excellence. Um, not a thing in this world for us to think about when it comes to excellence, is there? I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a bad thought right there. <laughs> Things of excellence. Uh, if there's any virtue, what might it be? It's good for us to think about these things, isn't it? It tells us to do that. If there is any virtue... Uh, anything of excellence? Yes, Sherry? Oh, that's good. That would be good. That's excellent. Amen to that. Prayer, answered prayer. John, you were going to say something? I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, sometimes something is just really great. We say, that's excellent. What might it be? <laughs> Answered prayer was a good one. I mean, that is excellent. I guess we'll leave that for a little bit. Think about that a little bit more. Uh, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, this is the idea of, of worthy of praise, uh, commendable, uh, that which, uh, you know, we can expect that one day God will so say, well done. Uh, anything that is, is praiseworthy. Uh, that which meets God's approval. Can you think of any examples of this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, we should praise God for this, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's praiseworthy. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's right. With a small P, right? That's praiseworthy. Capital P for God. All praise to God. But, but yeah, that is praiseworthy. That's commendable, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely. Anything else? Yeah, Sherry? Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that's good. Very good. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's great, Kurt. I love that. I love when I open my windows up in the morning. It's beautiful in the morning. You know, sun's just coming up. And uh, boy, it's just excellent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't don't re- you respond with excellence instead of in kind. Yeah, that's that. That is excellent. <laughs> Amen to that. Okay, very good. Um, let's see here. My next slide here. All of these eight guidelines are thought to reflect the mind of Christ. Jesus never told a lie. He was always truthful. He always did what was noble. He always did what was right and proper. His life was beautiful and pleasantly attractive. That is lovely. Jesus was only about that which deserves a good report. His life epitomized moral excellence, and his life was worthy of praise from A to Z. And so, in a sense, when you focus on Jesus Christ, you are fulfilling all of these guidelines. How about that? Let's focus on Jesus. Let's think on him. Uh, Also, each of these guidelines is a fitting characterization of Scripture. It is true that application can be made to Christ and to the Word concerning all these things. But beyond that, these categories apply to a whole host of things uh, that we think about through the grid of the mind of Christ and the Word of God. So just kind of a a summary statement there uh, to wrap up. Okay, so he says, as he gets to the end of this, uh, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, there is any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Or the old King James, uh, think on these things. Uh, Meditate on these things. In other words, uh, we're responsible for our thought life and to maintain a positive thought life in in that sense, a healthy thought life. Uh, Really, the most important thing about us is our thought life, right? I mean, what you think about uh, is really what you are ultimately, and even uh, your thought life is what you work out. You know, I often study, uh, and I'll be studying throughout the day, and then I go, I put it together in my mind, and I get up in the morning, and I go do it. But it's, it's what's coming out of all my thoughts that I have had, you know, from all my study. And uh, life is that way. Now, what comes out in our life is what we, what we think about. Um, just a few uh, slides here. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence. There's where the place of the thoughts are. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Colossians 3.2, uh, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And then, uh, let's see. I like this uh, from... Uh, I'll get to Luther, but we are not uh, able at will to just block out all the negative thoughts. I wish we could. It's a battle. However, we can decide what we're going to dwell on. Uh, Luther said this. As I say, he's quotable. Uh, It's like birds flying over your head. You can't prevent them from flitting about, but you can prevent them from building a nest in your hair. (laughs) That's pretty good, isn't it? That's true. Sometimes that's kind of the way it is with thoughts. And it's, thoughts are kind of crazy, aren't they? Sometimes I don't want to think about that, but the more I don't want to think about that, the more I'm, <laughs> my mind is drawn to it. It's crazy how the mind is that way. Uh, so it, it's not like it's not a struggle at, at certain points. Um, we have to make deliberate choices to think profitable thoughts. Our minds will not automatically drift into these channels. Most of us are mentally lazy. And because of the fall, we have a bias toward uh, the degenerate. The secret of a guided thought life is an active assertion of the will in cooperation with the Holy Spirit to think on these things. John Phillips. Good point. We have to uh, be intentional 
in our thought life. And then uh, Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, uh, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And of course, the renewing of your mind, I think, goes with reviewing the word. Renewing and reviewing uh, go together. It's constantly like uh, the word is like giving your mind a bath constantly as you're, as you're in the word. Uh, the way to renew your mind is that you learn to discipline your thought life to dwell on the things of truth and virtue, as brought out here in Philippians. A good motto to live by is we master the word through memorization. We let the word master us through meditation. Um, you know, it's a great practice, and I've been doing this for years. Uh, you know, I, I do scripture memory. Uh, m- one of the last things I do before I go to sleep is my memory verses that I'm working on. And when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is my memory verses. So I go to sleep with memory verses and I wake up. It's, it's a great thing for me as far as just my mind. Um, let's see here. What do I got? Here's a quote from John Walvoord. The formulas imply that the best way to keep out sinful thoughts and things which disturb inner peace is to concentrate on good things. So many spiritual problems and difficulties in mental health would be solved for Christians if they would follow Paul's simple exhortations in verses 4 through 8. Very helpful. Philippians is actually, in these verses in the immediate context in particular, a a short manual on spiritual and mental well-being. There is a definite connection between spiritual well-being and mental health. Uh, The peace that Paul is describing passes all understanding. We can't comprehend it, but it relates to the heart and the mind, as we saw in verse 7. It relates to healthy spiritual thinking. Thoughts do matter. How you think and what you think on affects your peace or lack thereof. And then uh, our daily bread, uh, Dr. Smiley Blanton was a busy New York City psychiatrist who kept a Bible on his desk. Somewhat surprised to see this, a client asked, Do you, a psychiatrist, read the Bible? I not only read it, I study it, said Dr. Blanton, a devout Christian. And then he added, if people would absorb its message, a lot of psychiatrists would go out of business. And uh, then I've got a comment here. I'm not saying that there's not a place for doctors uh, regarding physiological problems. Uh, There is a place for doctors. But what I am saying is that Christ and the spiritual resources a believer has are all sufficient. Regarding the Uh, all the spiritual problems of life, whether they relate to anxiety, anger, bitterness, etc. The Word of God adequately addresses these issues. And one more slide here. Our thought life as a Christian is the major issue in terms of experiencing the peace of God consistently. Our thought life will determine our spiritual well-being, so we need to learn how to think and how to discipline our thought life. So a thought, reap an action. So an action, reap a habit. So a habit... Uh, reap a character, so a character, reap a destiny. I'm not sure who said that, but, you know, it's, it's an old saying there that follows through as far as it starts with, with the thought life. So, so a thought, and it, and it goes from there. Okay, uh, any other thoughts? No pun intended. Vince? Right. Yeah. Right. It's evidence of where you are now with you're in the battle, right? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Amen. You know, I think it is so important to have a, a wholesome, healthy thought life, though, because you know it affects your whole demeanor. It affects your whole outlook on life. Uh, it affects uh, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace, and, and uh, all of these things. Uh, you, you see these kind of sourpuss uh, Christians, you know, where they're just down all the time, negative about everything. There's something wrong in the thought life here. Uh, listen to Paul here when he talks about all these things that really should uh, be things that we meditate on. Here should be our focus generally uh, as we think about... Uh, Uh, our spiritual stability. All right, well, let's finish out. One more verse, verse 9. We'll do this one a little more quickly, but uh, who wants to read verse 9 for us?
Ja, Mac. Okay, so kind of a summary statement here. The things which you, which you learned, the things which were taught to them by Paul, uh, and I think a lot of these things he has just reviewed, uh, these things which you learned and received, the things that they embraced, they accepted this uh, as, as truth, the things which you have learned and received and heard, and Paul proclaimed it to them, uh, and, and they heard it, they were taught it, and saw in me... These do. So notice uh, there's a lot of reinforcement here in Paul's life as a model. Uh, He preached it, he taught it, but he also lived it. He says, uh, you heard and saw in me. Uh, This is effective teaching. It it, uh, combines not only teaching, but also showing. And uh, he says, you saw this in me. I mean, he was an example of these things. He says, uh, these things do. These do. Uh, there's a connection between thinking and doing. And so he's, he's making that connection here as we get to verse 9. Uh, this is a very comprehensive statement, in effect, taking into account the whole of Paul's teaching and his way of life. Some people want to live out Philippians uh, 4, 6, and 7 in a time of crisis and claim the peace of God, Right? I mean, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and then you'll have the peace. Okay, we're, we're in terrible jeopardy now. We're praying. We want peace. But then go right back to compromised and worldly living when the crisis passes. This is not the way to habitually experience God's peace. Uh, you know, we want, to, we want to claim verses 6 and 7. Don't be anxious, but in everything by prayer. But we also want to uh, apply Verse 8 and verse 9. These things do. There is a package here. One can't just claim a golden nugget verse as some good luck charm. No, there is a whole way of life, a whole way of thinking that results in a consistent life of peace. This is what Paul has in view. Uh, We need to consistently put into practice these spiritual disciplines as a way of life, which Paul has taught and exemplified. And then the God of peace will be with them. This would include the following. Uh, maintaining a single-minded eternal perspective, uh, chapter 1. For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Uh, practicing a servant-minded perspective, living out uh, the mind of Christ. And we noted the emphasis on humble uh, servant attitude in chapter 2. Having a sanctified, uh, sanctified-minded perspective, forgetting the past, pressing on, chapter 3. And then applying stable-minded disciplines, as we see in chapter 4. You see, you apply these things. Apply these things as I have taught and as you have seen exemplified in my life. And then he says, and the God of peace will be with you. Uh, It should be a way of life. Uh, You know, you don't want to put this uh, Philippians 4.8 on the television and then proceed to turn on an R-rated movie. I mean, it's not going to work that way. You're not going to, don't expect to have God's peace if you're, uh, you know, contradicting uh, what you've even just put up there. We need to apply it. It's not enough just to know these things or just to think about these things in the abstract. The goal is to apply them. Do is a present imperative. This is a direct command. Do means to practice. It's not the normal word for just doing something, but signifies doing something over and over. It stresses repetition. In other words, these things need to become holy habits by virtue of repetition and and discipline practice in our spiritual lives. Holy habits don't just happen. We have to work at it. And so there's some discipline that's involved here. God is the God of peace. Notice he says the God of peace. This is one of Paul's favorite descriptions of the Lord, by the way. The God of peace. The God of peace. Uh, You know, God is never a God who's disturbed in terms of his nature. Uh, He's a God of peace. And uh, we can enter into that experience, uh, the the fellowship of his peace, as, as we apply these things to our lives. Yeah, uh-huh. That reminded me of uh, something uh, years ago, uh, a music teacher that we knew uh, would teach a piano to, to the girls. Yeah.
Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. And we have we have to we have to be practicing it. We have to be uh, consistent. We have to be diligent. Yeah, that's true. Okay, well, the, the God of peace. You know how wonderful it is? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have the peace uh, with God through Jesus Christ, through faith in Christ. But now, we really, we're talking about the peace of God here in this context here. And, uh, you know, Christ, before he went back to heaven, said to his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. So, I mean, he left us with that peace. How many times does Paul start his letters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? We see that repeatedly. God wants us to enjoy his peace. Well, I finish with this tonight uh, from uh, Pastor Steve Brown. He says, sometimes as a Bible teacher, I feel that God has put me beside a cliff where people dance close to the edge. I say to them, look, if I were you, I wouldn't get too close. I've seen people go over and they always get hurt. Some of them get killed. And they say, Pastor, I really appreciate you telling me that. I didn't realize it was so dangerous. And then they jump. (laughs) And the point is, God's truth only works if you apply it, right? It only works if you apply it. And so Paul says here, you know, these things uh, that you have heard and seen in me, these things do. Practice it. Apply it. And then, then you'll experience the peace of God. Then the the God of peace uh, will be with you. All right, any other thoughts as we wrap up here tonight? Yeah, sorry, Michael. Well, amen. Amen to that. And, you know, throughout the Scripture, we have this, uh, this tremendous emphasis. You know, like Joshua 1, 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to the things that are written therein. Uh, David, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin. You know, it, it, it's like we have to be very intentional about this, because I think you're right. I mean, constantly the world is out here putting its spin and putting its influence and everything is going on in our lives constantly. So it is a battle, and, and praise the Lord, it is a battle, just like Vince was saying. It is a struggle, but I think even the struggle shows, hey, we're in the battle. You know, we're on the Lord's side here, but it is a, it is a challenge for all of us, for sure. All right, anyone else? That's great, Michael. You're, you're not done yet, are you? <laughs> yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When we see each other serving the Lord in our, our small context, because that's, I think, what our actual focus is supposed to be ever. Amen, brother. Uh, that is well said. And it is so true. I mean, the world has a different dictionary. They are looking at what they define as excellent in a whole different way than we do where we would say the excellence of, of marriage is a, a man and a, and a woman. Uh, boy, now they're, they're applauding. I think I saw ESPN was applauding this, this, this guy who won the woman's race and saying, oh, yeah, this is a, you know, a new, and just really championing that. Like, this is a really good thing. Where we would say, that's not the way of excellence. No, 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 not at all. So you're right. I think the world twists this constantly out here. And, uh, yeah, if you're not in the Word, you don't even know how to discern what is proper, excellent thinking. Yeah. Very good. Anyone else? Okay, let's uh, share some prayer items. Uh, Anybody need a prayer sheet? We got some uh, up here. Oh. Oh, you're handing them out. Okay. Well, Vince came up to do it too. Do you need one? 